And we're on my favorite murder level, okay? Okay. <laughs> <Of course. laughs> we made it. <laughs> um. Do, 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 Are we not clapping? No. Yes, we should. Okay, good job. This is a good start. <laughs> One, two, three. Do, 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 do. Welcome to Homebrewed Feminism. I'm Amanda. And I'm Becky. We're two friends discussing all the ways that society, culture, and gender collide. So join us as we amplify the many voices that surround us. Hello, everyone. Hi. Welcome back to the Homebrewed Feminism podcast. Yeah, that's us. Homebrewed Feminism. Amanda. Oh, yeah. That's right. Sorry. I'm Amanda. Do we even do that? Do we introduce ourselves? Yeah, there's a bit before. Amanda, we've been doing this for a long time now. Oh, right. We have an intro. There's a bit bit before we start. God, sorry, guys. It's been a long week, everybody. Just dragging the liability along. Thank you. Thank you. Don't leave me. Like Amanda did to me when I was 18. Dragging me in nightclubs because I was a liability. Uh, It was a good time. (laughs) <laughs> for you me it was were, you really weren't the liability and we'll just leave it at that <laughs> <laughs> so uh you coming in fresh with a moan there no well you gotta say it oh my move yeah i have a finally moved house mm-hmm. stage one of the move is f- finished yep. so i am now living at my parents house so it's uh i'm living in a bedroom a bedroom that I lived in for like two months a couple of years ago <laughs> and uh yeah it's cozy in this room there's me there's Dylan and there's the cat Ari so uh just a disclaimer that in this episode if you hear any noises like <laughs> jumping or weird meows that's my cat because um I really struggled to find a good recording location so it was either in here or the boiler cupboard mm-hmm. and uh boiler cupboards can be creaky and have pipe sounds so but um my mom and dad's house is a little bit old so there's a lot of like creaky floorboards so you might hear an occasional creaky staircase as well so it's all part of the ambiance yeah it'll be fine it'll be fine it's temporary it's It's temporary so for this unfortunately um by the time that i get my actual house um which now has a fence in the nice. back garden. Yeah, Ooh. and the electricity and gas meter got fitted today. Ooh. So um, we have bills. power. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it will be after we finish recording this season that I actually get that house. So for the rest of the season, um, I will be recording in this bedroom. So hopefully the sound is good. I've tried my best. And um, if it's not, then... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Honestly, I'm sure it is. It sounds good already, so... Yeah, I hope so. I'm, like, right in front of the mic with, like, <laughs> quilts around me, so... My my hopes are high. My hopes are high. Great. Good. I'm happy your move went well. I'm happy that you're settled. Now you can just coast the rest of the season out. Yeah. 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 Oh, and there's a mini fridge, and that just kicked in, so you maybe heard that too. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> there's a mini fridge. <laughs> We need an area for our own snacks, Amanda. <laughs> like, 
There's like four other people in the house. We need our own fridge. I'm not even kidding. I feel like I'm recording on location. It's like in the wild, in her in her natural environment, Becky has a mini fridge. I'm sure we will be able to block any of those noises out. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Famous last words, if you hear any of it, I do do the it's editing. The so. <laughs> uh, yeah, so my moan. Yes, let's hear it. As we know... In society, it's patriarchal, so women are expected to disregard their identity and take on their husband's name. I got married in 2013, mm-hmm. and we're going for years and years and years of us just, you know, having our own, our different names. But then when you have a kid, it always complicates stuff because... That's where they get you. That's where they get you. That is where they fucking get you. So, um... I never changed my name with my first son. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but now that I have another one coming, I'm like, I really can't put this off anymore. Like, I I want to match my children's names. I don't regret that decision by any means. I'm annoyed with it that I even have to make that decision. It should just be my name. I fucking carry them for nine months. But so I finally started this process, um, which I thought was going to be really straightforward as I'm married. And I got an email yesterday from the London embassy asking me for a deed poll change. Mm-hmm. That makes no sense to me as an American citizen to have to provide a UK name change registration form. In addition to the USA one. In addition to my marriage certificate. Like, that is the proof. I'm married. That is why I'm changing my name I had a major conniption last night. <laughs> like, I was so mad. Like, I know women who are not married to their partners and have given their their partner's name, even though they're not even married. Yeah, it's the default. It's the default. It's the default. And regardless, like, we're still in the same boat. It doesn't matter that I'm married and I'm just, and they're not. Like, the in the end, all we want is to match the name of our kids. But what's screwing that up? Is this gendered patriarchal expectation that men are the people we need to follow? And it's like, fuck off, yeah. Anyways. No, you're right. You're totally right. I was very upset. I'm still, I'm not as upset as I was yesterday. Yesterday I was like in, in the shower squeezing the soap bar to like release some of the fucking rage that I felt that I was put in this fucking position that I have to deal with this. When you know what? In actuality, like, sorry, but I carry the child. I birth the child. You could change your fucking name. Like, why am I changing? Like, take one thing off our goddamn plates. Yeah, like, it should be that, you know, women, I mean, I guess it's to do with marriage, obviously, because it comes back to the whole women as property. Yes! But, um, so that's where it comes from, is the expectation that you're going to be married first, then have kids, which means that the kids are in the family name. But I don't get why, you know, a woman provides the child, technically. Right, if we're just going to be, like, very technical about it. And so that should almost be, like, okay, you are, like, becoming one with the woman or some something like that. Like, you are of them. So it should be their name. I've never really understood that. I completely agree. I've created this. Mm-hmm. So they are of me. They are of my blood. They are of my bone. They are of my like my cells. I have created it. So if you want to join this family, you're more than welcome. If you want to match our names, 
go for it, my dear. But why, why we are still perpetuating this bullshit? So anyways, might be. And for a long road, even when I change my name, I will still be a Miz out of fucking principle. I am nobody's fucking missus. So yeah. And that's my moan. Moving on. Moving on. Alright, so we'll jump into beer. So this week I chose Burnt Mill Brewery and the beer I chose from them is one called Pintal. So the brewery specifically, they are a brewery down in Suffolk and they have their brew house on a farm and they focus on producing fresh unfiltered beers. So like I say, I've got Pintal with me and that is their one of their main pale ales and it's got the usual wheat, oat and barley mixture and um, it's quite bitter I have to say um, but it's nice. A general cool. nice citrusy IPA and uh, the woman member of staff that we are highlighting from this brewery is Sophie Durand and she is the head brewer. Now, Sophie is extremely experienced. She has a huge amount of technical knowledge and she's also had various roles in the in the beer industry from cellar management to production brewing and also product developing. So like we see with many of our women brewers, our women uh, beer staff, they are involved in the International Women's Day and one of the things she has become really popular for is that she is the founder of the Collaboration Brew Day which they hold every year on International Women's Day and that's to specifically celebrate women in beer. So I thought that was really cool. Oh, that's great. That is really cool. Yeah, so uh, cheers Sophie. Your beer's really good. Mm -hmm. Cheers. (laughs) Good job, Sophie. Uh, my beer this week is Drop Bear Beer. Um, this is a multi-award winning brewery who's only just entered the UK beer scene in 2019. They've won seven awards and Drop Bear is the UK's top rated alcohol free brewery. But the reason why I've, I've chosen to drink their beer is the founders are two young awesome. women. The co-founder and director of sales and marketing is Joelle Drummond, a.k.a. Joey. And I'm assuming that there, she also brews. She didn't actually put that in their International Women's Day post. <laughs> when you're even a founder and you don't get to have just a post, um, you got to wait for that special moment to be allowed to be a woman. And... um so you mentioned that her brew song is Steeler's Wheel Stuck in the Middle with You. So I was like, brew. So if they have songs when they're brewing. So they must be brewers as well. Um, and then the other co-founder is Sarah McNenna, a.k.a. Says. And she's co-founder and director of finance and operations. And she's kind of more of the logic-driven part of the team. Um, while joey is more of the creative genius so they're kind of like a good yin and yang um yeah and then her brew song is shania twain's man i feel like a woman which was like Mm -hmm. classic great choice and then they have amy aka ames as the business development manager and she just does a lot of tasks like ranging from operations customer service sales marketing she just does it all but yeah, so they, I have to say though, this, um, I'm drinking the tropical IPA and it's great. I actually think this is probably, I can't think I've been saying this every week. This is how desperate I am to drink beer, but this is probably my favorite one that we've had so far. 
Um, I haven't had an IPA, so it's been really awesome to just have that IPA flavor because I've had a lot of pale ales um, and it's just nice to have that like hoppy, heavy hoppy, which I I genuinely can't tell you why they call it tropical though, because there's nothing on the ingredients that like screams, like it's not like there's no like pineapple in Mm -hmm, this or anything. mm -hmm. So I don't know why they've called it tropical, but this is one of the beers they've won an award for. It's um, best no and low IPA 2020 from Imbeb. Mbib we're showing our uh, mature beer knowledge <laughs> so yeah so cheers to joey says and ames awesome i appreciate your badassness killing it starting starting a beer company in 2019 talk about a scary time to start know, right branching out well like amanda said we'd like to cheers to our women in beer that we've highlighted this week and we're going to move on to our topic yeah Okay, so this week on the pod, we are going to be talking about feminism in Kurdistan. And specifically, we'll be focusing on the actual feminists in Kurdistan. So, we may have learned throughout the topics that we've brought on the pod that feminism is not necessarily the same around the world. So, what people may recognise as mainstream feminism is often associated with white women and often... uh, middle-class women. And this doesn't always work for the women around the world. You know, we hear it from black feminists that white feminism just doesn't work for them. And so how can we expect our feminism to work for people that live in countries that are completely different Mm -hmm. to what we experience? So when we're talking about feminism in Kurdistan, um, one of their main focuses is to bring a feminist perspective to their lives and they are still trying to challenge outdated gender norms in the same way that we are mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so the main is the main aim is to empower women and also work with men because we can't just focus on women doing the work we need men to change their mentalities towards it too so to be more specific some pe- some of our listeners might not necessarily know what Kurdistan is or where it is or what it is and I'll admit I wasn't quite sure actually yeah I googled it I totally googled it yeah I had to do a quick google search so for our listeners just to clarify Kurdistan can be referred to as Iraqi Kurdistan or southern Kurdistan and this is a population that is within the northern part of Iraq so this area is considered as one of the four parts of Kurdistan and the other three parts are southeastern Turkey, northern Syria and northwestern Iran. It's really interesting. It's like because of the re- like because of the literal geographical area. That's how this like this type like Kurdistan's not a really a place. It's just a region but because of where they are located, they are more related, their cultures more intertwined even though they're crossing borders like then they're technically it's really interesting yeah so i was quite amazed by that actually and it's we're not going to get like really deep into it but we also can't talk about kurdish women or kurdish feminists without addressing what has actually been happening in kurdistan over the last few years so there has been um displacement and war a civil war happening Mm. and Basically, the Kurdish forces had um, a relationship with US troops and the US troops were pulled out 
under the leadership of the previous president. Uh, he should not be named. <laughs> <laughs> you know, say his name three times and he appears in the mirror. But, um, so basically, because uh, the US troops had been removed, this gave Turkey which is part of Kurdistan, it gave them more of like a, more of more power. Mm-hmm. So then basically they were at war with the Kurdish people and yeah, there was an offensive force launched and it's just displaced a lot of people and probably set the country back a lot of, t- a lot of time. That sucks. Yeah. So it's just something to be mindful of when we are speaking about um, what feminism could mean in a different country. Mm-hmm. It's completely different. Who's been dealing with a civil war and has all the backlash of what happens with that. So, Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So feminists in Kurdistan have some main things that they are fighting for. So specifically on the back of the civil war and during the civil, civil war, feminists and feminist organizations are trying to provide resources for the victims of violence that has occurred and also for those that have been displaced. So there has been like women only houses um, made and these are like little villages that are women only but there's also like a mixture so you can have you know they're not saying that men are not also uh, victims of what's happened here. Right. And I will also acknowledge here that this also sounds very binary Mm -hmm. and it's not that I'm not acknowledging that there may be um, people of the LGBTQ community in Kurdistan. It's just that for the purposes of this topic, um, the information I could find was really just focusing on men and women. Mm -hmm. Fair. And that'll make more sense as we get into like what um, the women's movement has achieved in Kurdistan. Great. So another uh, main aim of feminism in Kurdistan is to try and get women into more positions in their parliament. But unfortunately, that isn't one of their highest priorities because it's not relatable to a lot of women in Kurdistan. I get that. So when you have women that are literally, you know, trying to survive, mm-hmm. um, you know, with kids on their back and working in fields and things like that, they're not really caring about whether they get a seat in the next election. Right. Yeah, they're thinking, where am I going to put my head down tonight? Exactly. You know, um, my house has been bombed. I need to move to the next place. I am a refuge. How the hell am I going to eat? How am I going to feed my kids? Yeah. Being in Parliament's like, not on the the scale, is it? No. So another uh, alternative focus is that these Kurdish feminists are focusing on the margins of these communities Mm. to try and make things better. So this is where our clip comes in, actually. Great. So the podcast that I chose a clip from is called Instant Coffee. And um, I think it was quite a good uh, title because their main priority is to provide a quick fix of everything involving the Middle East. So it's like instant coffee, quick. Mm -hmm. Like they're like little 20 minute episodes and you just... Quick information. Here's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. So uh, this is a podcast that is being created by the London School of Economics and Politics and specifically from their Middle East Centre. So they are basically an interview pod and uh, they have people like journalists and artists and also activists. Great. Now, in the episode that I chose... Um, episode number six. This is hosted by a researcher in gender studies called Isabel. 
and she has a guest on the show called Huzan Mahmood and she's going to be our main focus uh, when I'm talking about Kurdish feminism because um, Huzan has done a lot for the women's movement. So not only does Huzan identify as a Kurdish feminist, she is also a writer, a public lecturer and she has also co-founded this amazing project called The Culture Project. Now, in her work, she really wants to raise awareness about feminism and gender in Kurdistan. Cool. Just to try and get more people talking about it, because I think when you probably are surrounded by a lot of um, traditional men, I suppose, like feminism's probably not a word that's on the table. I can imagine it being a very um, offensive term to traditional men. Exactly, yeah. We'll play the clip just now and we'll get into it early and then we will come back and discuss. Great, let's do it. I mean, many years ago, back then, when when me and some other colleagues um, or female uh, feminist activists tried to talk about the issue of feminism or the word feminist itself or feminism was such a difficult issue to talk about. They To this moment, they kept on accusing us of imposing uh, this sort of femini- Western feminism on Kurdish women and it's not compatible with our society and lots of other reasons that they bring for so many other issues. But we really did not uh, give up. We kept on um, raising awareness about feminism and the importance of feminist consciousness through writing, through seminars, conferences in Kurdistan, throughout Kurdistan. And uh, Culture Magazine as well had a very good impact um, on that as well, where we had many powerful writers, f- feminist writers, who contributed um, greatly uh, to the knowledge production about uh, Kurdish women's question um, from a feminist perspective. So, yeah, I mean, back in the days, people would kind of point fingers to you, that is the feminist or this is a feminist as a dangerous thing. But nowadays, because of uh, a lot of really fights that we had to do, it is becoming more acceptable and you have more and more people identifying as a feminist, which which is, you know, which is really good to see that. Okay, so we can see from this clip that the main focus of Huzan's culture project is to prioritise the marginalised voices. And when Huzan was talking about this, it reminded me of something that we previously discussed. Um, I can't pinpoint mm-hmm. when, but we talked about how the margins of our communities can often be forgotten mm-hmm. and why if we work on the margins of our communities, that can always, that can often um, like filter through. Mm-hmm into the majority if you go for the margins then you'll get the majority because the margins are the special cases so if you instead of going for the general you go for the specifics um yeah Yeah. i thought of the same thing when i heard her say that i was like oh that's kind of nice to see that there is some western feminism crossing over this kurdish feminism like it's a nice little venn diagram moment where we're in the middle together Exactly. And, um, you know, that's when I was saying about how um, maybe focusing on women in parliament is not quite relatable to women that are displaced from their homes. And, for example, that's like a woman on a, in the margins would be like a refugee, you know, someone who doesn't have access to an education or, or even food, like the most simple human, human mm-hmm. needs. So... Um, Briefly, Huzan mentions about how she would try and get the word feminism included in the circles in government. And I think we can all relate to, you know, when even me, I could relate to starting this podcast. And when you say the word, it's uh, about feminism or I'm a feminist and it's always the, Mm -hmm. oh, Mm -hmm. like you get almost like tarred with the whole radical Mm -hmm. 
the most radical parts of feminism immediately. Or you're a raging feminist. It's like, yeah, what? Because I want equality. Jesus, <laughs> have some respect for yourself. All right, stop coming at me. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, um, as I have listened to this episode a couple of times, and I've looked into Huzan's work, and especially with the Culture Project on seeing what they want to achieve through art, literature, you know, these sort of movements, it brought me to the Kurdish women's movement. So I started to focus specifically on what the women of Kurdistan are actually yeah. doing. Cool. And also what they've achieved. So I uh, I noted some of their key achievements. Mm. And just to say that for anyone that has any sort of outdated view of Middle Eastern countries, like you need to check yourself because the data shows that in their governments, now this is across, not even just their governments, but in any organisation across Kurdistan. Mm. So from like NGOs up to like public sectors and private sectors, wow. like any sort of like organisation, there is a quota that they need to have 40 women, at uh, 40% women wow. representation. Now, just for reference, if anyone is thinking, oh, that's less than half. Um, the UK government has 34% women representation. Wow. So, um, yeah. so like, if you think, if you have your your little Western feminist hat on, your little white feminist hat on. We are so on, progressive. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, we're yeah. so progressive. We're way more ahead of the Middle Eastern countries. And there's here's Kurdistan being like, not even a country. We're just a region. And we've made it that you have to have a 40% quota. That's fantastic. Exactly. And although, like we're saying, it it may sound quite binary, and the next point is definitely binary, um, in any sort of their administrations, which may be in the government level, there is a requirement to have, uh, at the same level, a woman and a man in equal positions. So, you know, at least it may not be, it may may be binary, but in my opinion, that is better than one man. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought that was some pretty cool uh, gains for Kurdistan. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure if they're already that willing to accept that both genders should be represented at the highest level of these administrations, that they probably, if they got to a point with the LGBTQ community, that they would probably just like swap that. You know, like maybe there's a a non-binary person and a woman. And then one time maybe it's a, a woman or a non-binary person and a man. Like, you know, I'm sure they would. I mean, that sounds pretty freaking progressive. Exactly. So this is also, like I say, it's at every level and that, that um, infiltrates through to their local governments where they are also required to follow this uh, criteria. Awesome. Like there has to be a gender balance. That's awesome. So, um... <laughs> Anyone in the UK and the USA, just, you know, suck on that. <laughs> yeah, take that. Take that. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Like, that is cool. Yeah, just, I don't, just like, check yourself. Like, literally, that is, like, awesome. Like, 40% is better than fucking the UK at 30%. I genuinely can't even tell you if the US has a quota. I anticipate they do not. Yet, yeah, another thing I'm not surprised by. I know. But anyway, so, um... <laughs> I wanted to bring like a more um, clear example of the things that women can do in Kurdistan because often people do think that women can't do anything and uh, that is far from the truth. 
And one of the most notable examples that I could bring is reflected in the YPJ. Now, had you heard of the YPJ, Amanda? Never. Okay. So I knew of it through a documentary. I think it was like a Ross Kemp documentary and it was to do with like ISIS. And he was, in, I think he must have been in Syria and there was the, there's the YPG and the YPJ. And okay. basically the YPJ is translated to Women's Protection Units. No, and right. this is the all-female Kurdish-led militia. Nice. So it's, it's a the YPJ is a basically a women's military group. I love it. And this has been going for almost ten years, and it was founded shortly after the YPG, which is called People's Protection Units. So it's not called men's. Like they've just went straight for the default. <laughs> so basically, this is just another thing that like women are able to fight for their countries, and oftentimes women cannot do that. In That's some awesome. In some uh, developing countries. That's so cool. That's just so cool. Yeah, like, and it's great when you actually, like, read about what the women to, what the women um, want to do and how they feel about this. So, in an article, I found a, an interview with uh, one of the women fighters in the YPJ. Yeah. And she explained that when she was a kid, and you would be surrounded by family, mm-hmm. if there was an issue and something happens, a man will solve it, not a woman. Mm. But she now says that now women can fight and they can protect their society. Nice. So, although they are maybe in a you know they're in a civil war, women are able to step up and take responsibility and you know fight to protect their their communities. That's awesome. So, one of the main one of the main reasons that the women of the YPG are so passionate about this is because many many women have been displaced due to conflicts. And believe me when I say that women are probably disproportionately affected to displacement mm-hmm. compared to men. I'm pretty sure the UN like reports on this all the time. Oh yeah, that, yeah like, be surprised. Any, anytime there's a civil war anywhere in the world, women are the victims. Women and children are always the victims. Yeah, when they honestly, say civilians, they yeah. usually don't mean any men. They usually just mean women and kids. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I should have probably... Um, taken out the invisible women book because i'm pretty sure there's some information on like uh this sort of thing happen mm-hmm. but anyway and um the women that are in the ypj have also said that by being in this group they have been given the opportunity to learn about human rights and women's rights i hate to say those two things separately but often when people think of human rights they think of like your basic necessities mm-hmm. and they don't realize that women's rights are actually a part of it mm-hmm. we just yep seem to differentiate them as if this is some you know here's your brownie badge like you now have women's rights like it's a, <laughs> another thing to earn but yeah. anyway um this ypj has given women the opportunity to learn instead of not having access to education and raising a family as their only option or working in a field That's which awesome. is often what what does happen in these countries mm-hmm. again not generalizing just you know it happens. So one of the main points that I took from this clip is that there is a patriarchal mentality and that is obviously not just in Kurdistan, it's around the world. Yeah. So like you've talked about like with your your moan earlier, it's the fucking patriarchy. 100%. So so it's really, really hard to change this and Mm -hmm. not just of men, but a society as a whole, but 
from what Huzan has said, you know, it's not impossible. You know, we need to focus on making women's movements stronger Mm -hmm. and then men will have no option but to change because Mm -hmm. if we don't keep pushing on with this, women's movements will become weaker. And unfortunately, they have seen this in Kurdistan. Oh, yeah. For sure. So... When I was doing some reading on this, I came across an article that, which is from a website called Open Democracy. Okay. And this touches specifically on what happened with the Civil War. So this was um, shortly before Turkey um, were able to basically take over. Mm-hmm. And Kurdistan had made quite a lot of progress with women's rights. Uh, there were specific women's institutions that were just doing really well like really making progress like you can see with the quotas stuff like that but unfortunately with the civil war um this has been impacted and we have situations where women are being abused by their partners and that is often worse than it would have maybe been because a lot of these women's centers have been demolished or closed and affected due to the bombs and the fighting. So women don't have anywhere to go when they are uh, victims of this abuse. And um, one of the quotes that I found from this article that someone had shared their experience is that the men will say that I can hit you, I can do whatever I want to you, let's go and find a women's institution that can help you. Which is basically them saying, let's try and find one. Mm-hmm. You try and find one, there will not be one out there. That makes me so mad. Yeah. The entitlement, man. The, the entitlement, entitlement, yeah. Like, like basically, you are trapped. You can try and get out of this. I can do what I want to you. And you will have nowhere to go. Well, that's pretty much saying I own you. Exactly. Like, there's no... It's just abusive. That's, that's just verbal abuse. 100%. Mental... Yeah. Their poor mental health. I can't even... Yeah, it's just it's just insane. There's literally no words. So um we understand that this might I just want to take a side note that this might seem like quite a strange episode or quite different to what we usually do because usually we are quite um you know having fun with debates and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um we did touch on uh, Muslim women's experience with feminism in our first season and I did say that we'd probably revisit it and we are. And I think that while it's fine that we can have debates, we can talk about our points of view on different topics of feminism. Mm-hmm. It's also important to have some like educational times. So I this has been a learning experience for me. Like I did not really know much about this, but I just thought it'd be nice to mix up and yeah, same. have a learning session. Yeah. And also like when it comes to like specifically this type of like cultural differences, like we are Western feminists. Like, we yes. don't have the experience of living in Kurdistan, let alone any Middle Eastern country. So I think us staying quiet, staying open, and listening exactly. to yes. these stories is exactly what this podcast is about. Yeah, debating's fun, and getting really riled up is really fun. But, like, I, I'm thoroughly enjoying this. This is... I love this. Oh, I'm glad, because, do you know what? I don't... Like, I always feel really weird and almost, like, not worthy talking about other people's experiences because I do not know any Kurdish women. Mm. But it's almost like 
nobody around me is having these conversations. Yeah. And it's like, if I can even get my friends and people that I don't know that listen to this show to just put half an hour aside to just think about the women in these countries and go, do you know what? Yes, I'm a feminist, but I'm also privileged. And these women are fleeing their homes. They are being battered with nowhere to go. They are not able to eat, yet they are trying to fight for their basic rights and acknowledging that as women, they deserve better. So, like, they don't know who we are. We don't know who they are. But, like, we're, we are all women and we are all still connected. Mm-hmm. Well, we're all human. Exactly. Like, if if you're able to hear this and hear that, um, that men are saying that to these women and you're not, like, feeling grossed out by that. Hey, you're part of the problem. <laughs> Here's your sign that maybe you need to work on your empathy a bit. <laughs> like, because that is. Yeah. And they've done so well. Like, the quota thing blows my mind. Like, they and... can be going through a civil war, yet they have a quota across right? all organizations, all governments, across. It's just like, oh my goodness. It like, almost it basic. almost feels like there's a massive disconnect then. That if the government's like, yes, women are equal and we should be having them represented in all aspects of our governments from the tip top to the local. And yet the local men are speaking like this to their sisters and and to their mothers and to their daughters and their wives. Kind of seems like maybe there's not the the trickle down economics of it all isn't really happening for them maybe the only thing i can try and yeah i mean i'm just like spitballing like bringing this up my head yeah. but um maybe like before the civil war they'd made progress on their quotas and they'd mm-hmm. started to try and you know make some ground yeah. but then obviously this happened and it's like they've just hit a wall and they've yeah. just not been able to progress with with any further really fair um that's all I can think about. But yeah. that was just a side note, like just to kind of <laughs> come into your heads and be like, just hold on. Like it's it's important that we talk about this mm-hmm. because um, just to have some awareness. And to know the experience of these women, like it was it was good to have a UK's a UK Muslim experience last season, but to actually like go into the Middle East and see how these women are living and what they're dealing with, it's good. Exactly. So I would like to wrap up uh, this segment with a quote from another interview. So this was, um, just if anyone's wondering why the the person that was in the interview is um, given their experience under a pseudonym of Mm. B.E. And this is obviously to protect their identity for obvious reasons that I have, we've just been discussing. Mm -hmm. So the quote is from um, an interview with an editor from a feminist Kurdish magazine. And it's one of like the feminist Kurdish magazines that's still managing to survive through all this. And BE has said, it is important to think about women and life in all of its aspects. We are against the opinion that the women's question is just related to women's problems. Everything that happens is related to women. Mm. Absolutely. And that's it. Just think on that. Absolutely. Well done, Becky. That was a good one. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if there's any sort of homework attached to this, just, you know, let this, let these experiences sink in and yeah, enjoy your feminism, but also just, you know, if you ever hear anyone speaking shitty about any of these countries or these people, 
at least you have an awareness now. So true. So true. All right. Cool. Let's move on to some fun recommendations. Yeah, let's do it. Thank you to the Instant Coffee podcast for letting us highlight their clip. Instant Coffee is a podcast created by the London School of Economics and Politics. They've just started a brand new season about different foods and their connections throughout the Middle Eastern cultures. So if you're looking for a quick fix on all things Middle East, tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed this topic this week. I did. Hand up. Present. And accounted Nice little educational wild card. Yeah, it was nice. It was a nice break. Kind of like a palate cleanser. Yeah, it was almost like, okay, we're into the second half of the season. Mm -hmm. Let's just, like, wipe our slate clean and be open to education. Yeah. Um, So we have our recommendations, as always. Um, I'm quite enjoying this little section we're doing, actually. mm -hmm. And um, my recommendation is a book uh, this week, and it is directly related to the topic. So, like we said about, you know, having an awareness about these women... And um, these feminists, the book I have brought is called Kurdish Women's Stories. So this book brings together various um, Kurdish women's uh, stories. And basically it's from like years and years ago. So like back prior to the 2000s and through to today to where the country has been through civil war and fighting ISIS. And uh, it just basically is looking at how women have survived over the decades. Which is still a huge thing. I mean, I just saw on the news this morning or le- yesterday morning that Afghanistan is really struggling with ISIS again. It's like, <sighs> Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, and I mean, I never knew that, but it's also, um, they don't on- only have this going on in their countries. There's also experiences like... <laughs> <laughs> fucking dirt bikes. <laughs> Of course they'd be right at the end, eh? (laughs) So not only do they have these experiences happening in their countries, Mm. they also have things like FGM, which is female genital mutilation. They also have living under extreme conservatism. And this is why we just need to be completely open with with these experiences, because we can't relate. No. We cannot relate. So this book will inspire feminists and people working on their anti-racism as well across the world sounds great that sounds so good and over to you the floor is yours so i'm bringing it down everybody (laughs) (laughs) becky brought it up real high and i'm bringing it back down to the gutter where i belong um (laughs) so this week's been rough with finley having chicken pox um and trying to fit in the podcast around taking care of him and so every night when he went down me and chris just like needed to melt into the couch and like not think sure um so this is maybe just more of a uk recommendation if the u.s audience can find it on the internet somewhere go for it it is a a tv show called rob and ramesh versus these are two men and they are comedians they're like best friends and every single episode they do something new so like in the first se- there's three seasons and the first season they like met up with usain bolt in jamaica to learn how to run like and then they just did a couple of episodes 
um, of literally meeting with Team GB for the Olympics and doing all oh, the yeah, uh, okay. all doing all the Olympic trying to find their Olympic sport that they were meant to do. And I'm not kidding you. I, me and Chris have laughed out loud so much at this TV show. It's, it's a good so show. Dumb. It, it yeah, is. It's so dumb. Yeah. Like if you want to just not challenge any brain cells you can just yes. watch it and you're like even you don't need to watch it but when you catch the corner of your eye you're like they look fucking ridiculous in like gymnastics yes it was like when Ramesh literally was on the trampoline and he like <laughs> fell off the trampoline I literally thought I'm gonna pee myself like this is absolutely ridiculous humor stupid humor but if you're maybe burnt out on life it's definitely worth a watch it's it's good it's good it's good yeah there's also a really good one where they dress up in drag yes that was like one of my that was so bloody good yes it was that was a really good episode too yeah um i would and even like their banter is really good like rob plays the like keen like the keen kind of maybe i don't want to say anal because he's not but he's kind of just like intense like yeah little, i know what you're saying yeah he's intense but then ramesh is kind of like this guy that just ke- constantly puts him down like i don't know how they're friends <laughs> like, constantly talks about how much he does not like rob and it's just really <laughs> funny like when they did the art one the art episode really killed me when rob painted on ramesh's house <laughs> like i died yeah. so if you're looking for something dumb and something that you you could easily binge watch in a week, because that's what me and Chris did, Robin Ramesh's verses. I'll put I've put their Instagram in the show notes for the Americans to at least have a look at it. I didn't want to put Sky's website. Um, so yeah, that's my recommendation. Just go if you need something to like chill. Yeah, it's good. It's good to switch off and watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of sad awesome. it's over. You know, when you have a TV show that you're like. That was actually something I look forward to. Now it's done. Yeah. Awesome. So um, thank you for tuning in with us again for um, our sixth episode of our second season. We will be back again next week where Amanda will be taking the reins with a different topic. So we would like to cheers to our uh, women in beer as uh, we had some delicious beer from their breweries and also to our feature pod, the Instant Coffee Pod. Thank you for letting us feature you. So if you'd like to get in touch with us on the socials, you can catch us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And our handle is at Homebrewed Feminism and there is no vowels in Homebrewed. So that's at Homebrewed Feminism. Yeah, and the same old story. If you're not subscribed, please subscribe and go and rate us on Apple Pods so it helps other people find us. I mean, if you want, you could also share us on your social medias to your friends if you wanted to. We would love that. So feel free to, like, pass us along if you want. No pressure. (laughs) Do it. Nudge, nudge. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) That's us. Great. See you guys next week, then. All right. And as always, stay open. And keep learning. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.